and welcome to the LWDG Pod Dog. My name is Joe Parrott and I'm founder of the Ladies Working Dog Group. Joining us on this week's podcast about negative mindset and training dog is the amazing Becca Dobson. Hi, Becca. Hi. Becca, tell us a little bit all about yourself. Hey, so uh, I'm Becca. I'm based in West Yorkshire and I own Dovemore. And I am a pet and working gun dog trainer. I have been doing this now for two years. Previous to that, I was working and training and walking, working and pet gun dogs. I also was a licensed home boarder for working and pet gun dogs. Um, And so that's how I got into training was because I wanted to help these people that were um I was walking their dogs or they were coming for home boarding and they had no manners um and pulled and ran away and did everything that they shouldn't have been doing because they went self-employed um so basically I wanted to help owners um employ their dogs instead let's start with this weekend what did you do so this weekend, uh, I entered myself and Aggie in our first uh, puppy test. So Aggie's just under the cutoff point um, of she's 17 months now. So she's my first Labrador and she is a, a very immature Labrador. And so I thought this weekend would be a perfect opportunity to take her and run her in a puppy test with other dogs, other puppies similar age or younger um, to see how she goes. So we went to Gundog Girls brand um, down uh, Derbyshire way um, with a friend of mine and entered Aggie in and I wasn't too worried about it at first. Um, I just thought it's a great chance for an opportunity to get Aggie out there, get her proofing some behaviours, training somewhere a little bit different. It's great for me because I don't get a chance to get to classes myself. I teach them, but I don't get to go myself. So it was a great way to put her in a class situation first before we did the test. Um, so we we rocked up and we did the, the test when we were there, did a little bit of training first um, and then did the test. And from the moment I took Aggie out of the car, I knew that her mind was blown. She was absolutely not remotely focused on me and everything else that was going off around her was much more important um which already then you'll know the negative thoughts start to come in I thought she's not going to sit steady she's not going to walk to heel she's not showing me any connection whatsoever um and it just went from there through the through the um afternoon or the late morning and afternoon she um she really struggled to keep her nose up off the ground um she struggled to sit steady to things being thrown um she just blew her mind bless her um and i didn't realize what an impact that was having on me as the day progressed i was um not losing my temper but i was getting um losing my confidence more and more um as we worked our way through the tests which then showed with her So when you started that bit of the conversation now, you as a trainer, you started telling me that you expected her to do all these things. Yep. You expected her mind to be blown. You you knew she's an immature lab. You told me all the things that as a trainer and as an experienced handler, you were fully aware of. Yeah. Then when you got down there, something you switched from logical trainer to worrying handler yeah and then just as much as her mind was blown your mind was blown 
absolutely yeah so do you think that what do you think caused it for you you knew exactly what caused it for your dog you were expecting it you knew exactly why she was doing it what changed in you I think it was the pressure of being a dog trainer and being a more experienced handler um watching and seeing my dog failing and doing things that I thought that I expected her to do um, in front of those people. But she wasn't failing because you knew this was what was coming and almost this was part of what you expected. Expected, yeah. If anything, she wasn't failing. She was succeeding to do exactly as expected. Yeah. But you felt the pressure of other people judging you? Yes, absolutely. Yes. And where do you think that came from? Um, it's something that I think uh, maybe quite a few more um, handlers or dog trainers that don't have as many years uh, in the field or as many years experience. Um, I think with everything going on on social media and, you know, people um demonstrating what they do and how they do it and what age a dog does it and what age a dog doesn't do it um i think the pressure from that and the expectations that you put on yourself then made my mind blown and social media plays a massive part doesn't it because i think social media shows this perfect world perfect dog perfect world even i think when you see people's out clips they are planned and curated. You decide, you know, like for us, when we decide to move on the LWDG, what goes with the season, what looks good, what represents our brand, all those sorts of decisions. And I think even if you're not a business, if you're a person, you, you have those conversations. You know, you see our youngsters, they will do something three or four times and video it because they, they want it to look a certain way. Yeah. Real life doesn't allow us to live up to that social media pressure, does it? No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> so your dog was behaving exactly as you had planned. Yeah. You weren't behaving exactly as a plan. Had you thought that this was going to happen to you? Um, no, I, I think part of me thought that she might turn into a little bit of a bracken and um, absolutely blow me out of the water and turn things around and go, actually, I, I can do this in a different environment. Um, I, I just think I thought, I've just got to go for it. I've got to put myself out there and I've got to do it with her. Otherwise, I'm going to be put off and put off and put off all the time. So before you went there, did you have a plan for handling your own expectations of, of yourself? No. Had if the dog, not yep. you. Yeah. Is it a case, I think, because I think all of us do it, don't we? We sit, magic month planners, piece of paper, we write down, this is what I'm going to do with my dog. This is what I'm going to, you know, this is what's needed. This is where they lack confidence. This is where we need to, you know, they're great to that, so we don't need to overdo that. We think of all of those things, and then we like, no plan for us. No. Do you think it would have helped you, looking back in hindsight, to have that type of plan for yourself? Is, is it something that we do? Yeah, that, that it's something that I think, um, it's something that I feel that I need to do if I'm going into that situation again. Definitely, I need to plan how I'm going to react to her her behaviours like that in a, yeah, in a completely different way and how I'm going to manage how I'm feeling. Because I wouldn't have set her up to fail 
you know, intentionally. And I wouldn't have, if I'd have gone out on a training session and she'd have, um, you know, performed some of the behaviours that she did, I would have quit. And I would have gone, right, okay, back, let's start again tomorrow. Unfortunately, in those test situations, you can't always do that. Or you, I could have pulled out and said, it's not right, it's not the right day. Let's forget that and, and move on. Do you think, though, though, you should... I think we're all our own worst critics. I know I am, right, with myself. Um, you went through with it. She got to, to experience that new uh, situation. You yep. got to see and learn. And, like, as a success coach, we always say to people, what are the lessons learned? So... In a training situation, you couldn't have had those lessons because those lessons didn't exist. You know, when it's you and the dog on a field and you're like, mm, you're not feeling it today, lovely, and you can walk away from it. Like you said, the test didn't allow you to do that. So it allowed you to learn how how to respond when you can't walk away. Um, yeah. So there's massive benefits in that. Do you then look at it at the end of the day and think, actually, there's a lesson learned for the dog? Because instantly you've told me what, you would have done with the dog have you thought about the lessons learned for yourself yes I have now that I've had chance to reflect on it um you know I would put different steps in place or I would have changed my attitude or I wouldn't have got in the car and thought of it as a failure even though she came fourth out of however many dogs were there that was not oh, that was not a succession. <laughs> you know, it's so silly. She she came forth in her first ever, you know, this this poor dog has never been further than well, she she's been on holiday with us, but she's never been she's never been in that situation. She we came forth and I still looked upon it as failure rather than as a success. So that's definitely a a, a mindset position. Like fourth. Yeah. For, for many of us listening, coming away with fourth, we would have been like, woohoo. Yeah. But as a trainer, I think you suppose you put more pressure on yourself to, yeah. to be perfect. Like I was speaking to other trainers about this actually literally an hour ago, and they were saying about how they expect more of themselves because of the label they carry about being a trainer. But being a trainer doesn't mean you don't have fear, does it? No, not at all. I get nerves. I was nervous going down there. Um, I travelled with a friend. Um, she was nervous as well. She took her much younger dog. Um, yeah, I was. I felt the nerves. I felt the nerves when I was being taught things. Um, you know, by a trainer that a really experienced male trainer. He was brilliant. Um, there's always something to learn when you go on these things, even when you you know you know it and you live. You know, they live the life as a trainer. There was always something to learn off somebody else. But yeah, I still felt the fear and the nerves. And we talked, like, before we came on this podcast, we were talking about the um, term imposter syndrome. Now, imposter syndrome is very much, I think, a female thing. Men do struggle with it as well. But we see it across all of the stuff that we do. So whether it's um, being a mum, oh, I'm not a very good mum, I'm not doing this right. Look at those mums, they're doing it better than me. Uh, in work, you know, I'm not very good at my job in an office. I'm not going to make it. That feeling that we're always going to be caught out, like, you know, as a dog trainer, that feeling, of, oh, my God, people will see my dog. My dog's not perfect. How can I be a dog trainer? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's that whole pressure, this imposter syndrome is where we literally convince ourselves that we don't belong in the world we're in. And, and it's on 
again, is that what you sort of felt? Was it like, I really don't belong to you right now? Yeah, yeah, that was exactly how I felt. And it wasn't until, um, you know, I, I saw it was a disappointment. It wasn't until I got home and I spoke to Ava and, you know, she's 11. And she turned around and she said, you know, you did amazing. You were great. You're great at your job. You feel a little bit embarrassed in front of the other trainers that's what you're feeling you feel that you know you've let yourself down or that you've let Aggie down you're feeling embarrassed rather than um anything else and that that was actually what it you know it came down to it was the you know how can I train dogs when my dog didn't perform how I would you know expect uh, a a client's dog to (laughs) perform If a client's dog, if I was your client and I came there and I said to you, oh, I went to a test on the weekend, my first test with this dog, never been in the situation before, and she came fourth, what would your response be to me? I would absolutely be thrilled with them. And it's funny because quite a few of my clients turned around and was like, Becca, if that was us, you'd have been absolutely screaming from the rooftops that we'd come forth, that we'd put ourselves out there to go down and do something like this with our dogs. Um, quite a few of them put back and sort of said, you know, if if we were in your shoes, you'd be saying, stop being so hard on yourself. Yeah, you'd be Maybe celebrating your success. Absolutely celebrating, yeah. So I think imposter syndrome then sort of leads us on to like, it's massive self-doubt, isn't it? It's that fear, but it's massive self-doubt. Um, and also that fear of failing. we like, but when we've got that mindset on before we even start the day, we talk about like this week, this month's masterclasses on balance both ends of lead with Nina Fatara. This is like what you're talking about here. It's like, if, it travels down the lead, doesn't it? Your Absolutely. worry, your self-doubt does have an effect on the dog. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. But my self-doubt and my negativity going into that competition for the start probably set Aggie up to fail more yeah. than than normal. I would have normally nicked that in the bud and gone, right, come on, this is a great experience. It's a great chance to prove some behaviours. Go and have fun. Instead, my mindset was I'm being judged and yeah yeah and the reality of it is all of us stand there thinking oh my god I'm being judged and like I explain this to uh clients all the time I'm sitting there thinking about me and the other person sitting next to me is thinking about them and the person the other side of me is thinking about them we're all worrying what the other person is thinking so actually nobody's thinking about anybody else it's how it's how it's affecting us isn't it so absolutely with this sort of like overthinking and second guessing, you must see that loads on a normal group training session with your clients. Is it a case that you see lots of people when they come to you, they've got this sort of imposter syndrome starting right from the start? Yeah, yeah. And they, they you know, they lack confidence, they lack confidence um, in their handling abilities. A lot of them say, What have I done? Why have I got this dog? I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and my job as their trainer is to support them and turn that round turn that thinking round and how do you do that (laughs) really well (laughs) much better than I do on myself much much better you know I give them and I give them the confidence I set them up to succeed and set the dogs up to succeed and you know if I'm spending an hour with them or if they're in a class situation everything about is the lesson or whatever's going on is to make them feel confident about their abilities you know it's not it's it's hard you know to do it yourself but it's I'm finding it easier to do 
Yeah. And I think you make a massively good point there. My dad was exceptionally good handler. He was a totally shocking trainer because he couldn't explain to me what seemed like second nature to him. So his dogs were perfect. They literally were perfect. By the time they were two, they were perfect. Um, and even leading up to it, he just sort of had this instinctive knowledge of what, what was to come next. But I would say to him, how do I replicate that in my dog? And he would be like, you just do. And I'd be like, no, how? And he'd be like, just do. And I'm like, that's not an answer. So for the role you play as being a very successful trainer, you are really, really good at explaining to other people how to train their dog, but also how to manage their own expectations of themselves. So you're not just training people, are you? You're training, uh, no, sorry, you're just not training dogs, you're training people as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And how much do you enjoy that role? What what made you want to be a trainer? I, I love that. Um, I wanted to be a trainer because I wanted to help people understand about the dog that they had at home. So these were, they weren't always working dogs. These were um, gun dog breeds that were predominantly pet dogs that people had problems with. And I love being able to support and help people and explain to them why the dog was doing what they were they were doing and how to turn that around how to give you know the dog what it needed and still not be a working dog it was still a pet dog and still enjoy you know sofa snuggles um and I wanted to do it to help people I would probably say uh, if clients you know clients will listen to this that they would say more than anything it's the support that I give them through the journey they don't just turn up to class once a week and that's it that's done it's the, it's the support, it's the WhatsApp messages that they get. You know, I've had a really bad day. I had a really bad session. And I will say, right, let's turn that around. And and how do we move forward? And how do we get on with it? And I think they would agree that, yeah, the support is, is there. That part of it as well, though, is so important, isn't it? Because we know, like, in the Ladies Working Dog Group, we have people, sometimes they come to us, they really are at the end of their head and they're really ready to throw in the towel and, and not do anything with it. And it isn't easy to train a gun dog breed, is it? Because you're yeah. they, they are active by nature. They are mentally clever and want to be um, engaged by their by the nature. They, they, they're not a couch dog. They, they want to be doing something. They want to be a working dog in some way. So as owners, we have to facilitate that need for engagement and interaction and, and problem solving. Do you actually, you know, is this what you love? Is it working with these types of breeds? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this over, um, that's a, you know, your, your average pet dog. The gun dog breeds, I like to watch people succeed with them and tell them what makes them tick and get them involved with the so, training. Like going, going forward, like, from your weekend and I really really do appreciate you coming on you and being really honest for that because there's a lot of people who wouldn't be honest about it because part of that fear and of failure and imposter syndrome and you didn't fail by any stretch of the imagination but internally feeling like you failed even that conversation is hard to have isn't it and and to have it openly it, it takes a, a a very high level of 
self-belief in helping others by sharing your own experiences do you feel like coming on here doing this you that's helping you and helping others yes definitely because I, I know how um when I was traveling home I had um Melissa you know giving me a pep talk saying you did great you did this great you did that great and you know I I, I need to be open about this so that other people can reach out or if other people go or even other dog trainers go or those uh, you know breaking into to becoming dog trainers you know you have to be open and honest about it otherwise you you can just um combust with it and and that's what I was getting to the point of over the last 12 months it's got you know it's something that has um got worse um that now you know I need the tools in place and I would much rather myself be open and help other people get those tools as well Well, I think that should be like applauded in a huge way Becca because I know from being a coach myself, that doesn't mean I don't need a coach. So, you know, just because you're a trainer doesn't mean you don't need a trainer or additional support. It's naive to think that even the best of the best don't have somebody like, we look at sport, we look at, I don't know, like the Olympics, we would be shocked to see the best people in the world without a trainer by the side of them because that's what's what's needed even mm-hmm. as well as they know their job so for people coming into you know gun dogs and and working a dog in any you know, any breed it's understanding you're gonna need somebody to help you on the journey you can self-train to a certain point yeah but then you're gonna need somebody to come in and see what you can't see isn't it yeah absolutely yeah so when you started your um, journey into like sort of training dogs and, and be, being a gun dog trainer, per se, what else has that led you into? You know, your dev more gun dogs. Do you do you see this being a permanent thing? Are you absolutely in love with it all? I, I absolutely love it. I, I do love it all. I love um, being specialised more in the gun dog side of it, especially for pet dog owners. Um, you know, there are plenty of experts out there that can help trialers and can help the people that are taking the dogs out working and on shoots. But I really think there's a need for people like myself to help support and hold the hands of people that have pet dogs, uh, pet gun dogs. And that, yeah, that's what I love doing. That's what I want to do. I want to be um, a support. I want Dovemore to be um, you know, a community. We have like a, a Facebook group where clients come and that is a safe place for them to see successes and failures and how we get through them. Um, but yeah, the, the pet gun dog training side of things is is where I would like to stay. So to sort of wrap this up now, because um, it's been a fabulous podcast and thank you very much for being on it. What what are your sort of takeaways for anybody listening to this who's been like I have been where Becca was I went to a test I I I sort of fell apart the dog was looking at me thinking what are you doing you need to like keep it together for me what could you tell them going forward on the next test what do you think you will do differently on your next test I would definitely change my mindset going into the next test. It would be more of look at it from the dog's point of view of this is just somewhere else. We're going to prove some training. It's another place where we can go and use some different ground. So rather than it being a, you know, putting that pressure as a test, 
it's somewhere where you're going to um, enjoy some training with your dog. Um, I would definitely still take my gun dog training hat off and just be there as a handler. Um, you know, no pressure on myself uh, at all for that. And come away and look at it from maybe from the point of view, if a client said to me, this is what I've done today, this is what I've come away with, you know, you need to turn it around and look and say, if that was your friend coming to you and giving you that information, I only came forth and this didn't go right. And what would your friend say to you? Your friend's not going to go, oh yeah, you were rubbish. That was really rubbish. Your friend's going to say, that was great. You did this great. You did that great. So maybe having that little inner voice that, you know, turns it back around and pulls out the positives. I love that bit, like the, the inner voice. The that's, inner voice. That's the one we have to sort of, and it's not just our dog training. It's, you know, it can be anything, can't it? I can be sitting there sometimes and I'm grooming Buddy and I'm thinking, well, what am I keeping him in good enough condition? And, you know, should I take him to the groomers now his years level? And I, I, I hear myself saying all these things and it's that inner voice telling me that um, it's not good enough. You know, whatever, you, you, we can get dressed and look in the mirror and think, well, oh, I could have picked a better pair of jeans. And, you know, it's that constant sort of um, criticism. We need to sort of tap into that inner voice, inner voice and make yeah. her work for us, don't we? And say, yeah. you know, like, yeah, we need her to be our, our main cheerleader. I know Nina talks about yeah. like, but that, that whole yeah. cheerleader of like, you can do this. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I feel like. Fab. Well, thank you very, very much for joining us on today's podcast. If anybody wants to get in touch with you, Becca, you know, how do they get in touch with you? Where can they find you? The best place, um, if they go online and they search for www.lovemore.co.uk, there's um, a contact form through there that'll come straight to my email. Um, or if people are local to the Ilkley, Skipton, West Yorkshire area, they can book one-to-ones um through the page as and well. can we find you on facebook yeah i'm on facebook and instagram as well so facebook will be um dove more gun dogs and instagram is dove more gun dogs as well fantastic um so that's you've heard it all off becca she's been really really open and thank you very much for that today and um, if you want to get hold of her that's where you can get hold of her and if you're looking at doing something with your dog even if it's training today just think about what we've chatted about Leave the negative mindset away. Put your sort of positive inner voice on and uh, go out there and enjoy. Speak to you all next week.